Hello everyone, this is uh, Stavros Yanuka welcoming you back to Wise Words. Uh, in our last episode, we looked at making the biosciences more accessible uh, through the education system. In this episode, we're going to see how a technology entrepreneur traveled back to his home country from the US to bring Ivy League quality higher education to Africa. Patrick Awa is the founder and president of Ashesi University, a private nonprofit institution that has quickly gained a reputation for innovation and quality in higher education in Ghana. Uh, before founding Ashesi, Patrick worked as a program manager for Microsoft, where amongst other things, he spearheaded the development of dial-up internet working technologies and gained a reputation for bringing difficult projects to completion. Uh, for any millennials uh, in the audience, yes, we used to have to dial into the internet. For Patrick, the way to transform society is through the education of ethical leaders. And that's what he's trying to do at Ashesi University. In this episode, we uncover the model for ethical leadership that he employs uh, and that the faculty at Ashesi University try to communicate. And we talk to Patrick about his future plans for higher education uh, in Africa. Uh, this episode was recorded in Accra, Ghana, on the margins of the Wise at Accra event, uh, which took place on the 9th of May. And with that, I bring you Patrick Ewa. Patrick Ewa, welcome to Wise Words. Thank you, Savros. Uh, Patrick, you are the founder and president of uh, Shesi University here in uh, Ghana. And you've had an interesting uh, journey to, to get here. And I, I think our listeners would benefit from just hearing you describe your journey a little bit um, from the time that you left home to study yourself and then when you decided to set up sure. Shesi. I left, I left Ghana for the United States after high school. And I went to the U.S. because... This was a country that I felt had some of the best engineering schools in the world, and I wanted to be an engineer. Uh, I went to college at Swarthmore College, which is a small liberal arts college with engineering, and studied electrical engineering and economics. Um, after Swarthmore, I went to work at Microsoft Corporation as a program manager. I worked in the business systems division, uh, which is uh, part of the Windows Group, working yeah. on networking infrastructure for the Windows operating system. Uh, while I was at Microsoft, um, my first child was born. And following his birth, which coincided with um, some negative stories out of Africa with Rwanda and Somalia and crisis, yeah. I decided that I needed to return to Africa and to help with development. Yeah. And that's how I came full circle back to Ghana. Yeah. And, and, and if I remember, I remember hearing you speak and, and, uh, uh, about this, uh, certainly at, at WISE. Uh, right. And you were, you, know, you were asking yourself uh, questions around, you know, maybe around identity or history. And w what would you be able to tell your son about who he is and where, where he comes from? That's right. So... When my son was born, I started to think about not just him, but, you know, other children I would have, other generations coming after yeah. my generation, and really wondering 
what Africa would mean to future generations of people of African descent. Yeah. And this was a this was a very gripping question to to ponder uh, and to realize that uh, as a member of my generation that I had a responsibility for leaving a, the world a better place for future generations. Um, and that better world, mm -hmm. in my view, um, would have to include uh, an Africa that was transformed, that was equal in the committee of nations. And, um, you know, it didn't help that the news out of Africa at the time wasn't good news. Uh, and I mm -hmm. felt that if people like me who had had so many opportunities uh, didn't try to be part of the, the solution, then we were in fact being de facto part of the problem. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and then what, what led you to decide that education, and in particular higher education, was where you wanted to sort of uh, put your, uh, make your mark? Right. My first idea actually was to start a software company. I'd seen what the high-tech industry was doing in, in the United States and the amount of economic output coming out of that industry. And I felt if we could bring some of that to Africa, to Ghana, yeah. this would make a big difference. Um, but having conversations with friends and family here about many different problems, we seem to always settle whenever we we start with a problem and ask the question why yes why enough times we always seem to settle on leadership um and corruption mm -hmm. as uh some of the underlying reasons why these problems manifest um in society and so then i started to ask well where do the leaders come from why are there leaders that are accepting the status quo why are there leaders that are um, corruptible um, and doing the wrong things and it dawned on me at the time that all the people that we were calling leaders people who were heading um, government offices people who were heading major parts of the economy were the ones who had been educated post-secondary so they've had some kind of tertiary education a yeah. university a college and so, and they constituted, depending on the data that I was looking at, they constituted just between two and 5% of their age group at the time they went to college, Yeah. right? And so it dawned on me that actually, when you have a society where only 5% of 18 to 25 year olds actually get a chance to go to college, then almost by definition, when you look inside a classroom in a university, you're looking at the future of a country. Um, you're looking at the future leadership of a country. Yeah. And th that's how I came to the conclusion that I needed to get engaged there because it seemed like such a p pivotal place to engage yeah. if we wanted to have transformation in society. And and so you decided, okay, I'm, I'm this is where I'm going to uh, try to make my mark and you 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 conceived of uh, a chassis. That's right. So yeah. so I decided that higher education was incredibly important, and that somebody needed to engage with that. I uh, was not in education. I was in high tech. Um, I hadn't run an entity, an, uh, you know, 
adventure myself. Uh, so what I decided to do was to go prepare myself to run an organization. So yeah. I went to you went back school, to school at yeah. Berkeley. Yeah. And um, I figured I would hire educators um, and I would invite educators onto my advisory board, onto a governing board who would give, you know, who would complement my skill set. And that's what I did. Yeah. And so, and so you developed the business plan I developed the SSC at business school. That's right. I developed yeah. the business plan at business school. In fact, we did the feasibility study as part of a project in a course at UC Berkeley. Yeah. Developed the business plan. I started to build out my board, actually two boards, an advisory board yeah. and a governing board at Berkeley. Yeah. So I went to, you know, seasoned academics um, and invited them to uh, yeah. sort of ask them if they would help. What, was it easy to persuade people? It was incredibly easy. It was yeah. um, it was just um, very gratifying to approach professors for, for whom I had deep respect, uh, explain the problem to them, yeah. and explain what I was trying to do and ask if they could help. Yeah. And how many of them not only immediately said yes, they would help personally, yeah. but would also recommend others and help me reach out to others who would join yeah. to make this happen. And and you conceived of Ashesi as as really following to a certain extent the liberal arts model that you experienced at Swarthmore. Is that that is that, that is correct? Right? Yeah. I felt that <clears throat> the education that I had had at Swarthmore was a very powerful one. Yeah. The idea that even though I entered wanting to study engineering, I was asked to do a multidisciplinary curriculum to see yep. things from different perspectives. Um, the idea that as an engineering student, I was in class with people who were studying philosophy and yep. biology and literature and being in deep conversations with them. Uh, it, it was just a, a tremendous uh, learning opportunity. But it is also the case that uh, as I was thinking about how one educates uh, leaders. Um, when you talk about educating uh, ethical leaders, you're talking about educating people who have a sort of a deep uh, sort of understanding and appreciation for ethical philosophy, who have empathy, who have compassion, yep. who can see themselves um, as, as real change agents in their society. And I felt that uh, a multidisciplinary education was a very powerful way of doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it, what I find interesting is, is that uh, it's, I mean, you, you were, as you were setting uh, Ashesi up or, or in your work, really, you're, you're attacking a couple of, of what I would describe as, as kind of conceits. Conceit number one is, well, you know this this kind of elite education isn't what um, you know a country that's that's uh, undergoing development needs. Right. Uh, and conceit number two is well, you can't really replicate the you know the the magic of a sort of New England liberal arts education in you know here in uh, in in uh, on the Gold Coast. Right. right? Um, and, and by the way, there were yeah. some people who said that to me, actually. <coughs> I, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did you, you know, how did you go, I mean, how did you, first of all, 
uh, did you have those doubts? And, and if so, you know, how did you address them or, or, or overcome the naysayers to a certain extent? So that's that's a very interesting question. I I I think that um, any doubts that I had had more to do with questioning myself about whether I was capable yeah. of engaging in this way. But I had no doubt at all that students educated in Africa in an African institution yeah. would be able uh to excel yeah uh in the structure that i had encountered at swarthmore yeah. right yeah so i had i had very little doubt about that okay um yeah. my my only doubt was was i patrick up to the yeah. up to the C task could you deliver yeah. right yeah which by the way is a good good sign of of uh solid leadership because <laughs> well yeah no because because i think you need to be you need to be confident of, of course but right. you also need to be humble enough to know right that you yes. may not have all the answers and therefore as you did go and look for people who can support you that's correct um yeah and and okay so what what makes Ashesi do you think special in terms of uh of, of the model i mean it's it's not a exactly a, a copy paste of a of, of a liberal arts uh, yeah, u.s correct. liberal arts institution you've introduced you know some of your own innovations your own ideas about uh what what ought to inform a good good education right so the things that make a chassis special i want to start by saying that the people who work here and the students who study here um make this place what it is yeah and I think that Ashesi's success has been really, you know, 90% to do with that. That yeah. there are people who joined this organization with the belief that we could do this. Yeah. Uh, the second thing that makes Ashesi different is that, you know, we, we came, you know, my whole goal returning to Ghana was to do something similar to what I'd experienced at Swarthmore. But we didn't come, my team and I, we didn't start with this idea that we were going to replicate out of whole cloth what Swarthmore is. Yeah. That we needed to make sure that what we were doing fit the context of Ghana. And so we started with, you know, deep conversations with a cross-section of leadership in this country. So the, the business sector, the social sector, um, uh, government sector, even yep. the military, yep. to really understand what is it that leaders operating in Ghana, what, what did they believe we needed to do? And then we went and spoke with students. We spoke with parents of, of students who were in high school. And yep. we sort of put all that together in coming up with a curriculum. So the advisory board that helped me drop curriculum looked at data from all these focus groups and surveys and so on. And we tailored what we did to what the needs were yeah. uh, here. And, and, and to, to, I mean, that, that addresses some of my next question, which is around, I mean, typically liberal arts colleges are sort of considered elite institutions. I mean, they, right. they cater to uh, primarily to a certain demographic. 
um, well-to-do, right. you know, good sort of uh, secondary education and right. uh, high schools, uh, prep school even. Um, how do you tackle that issue here? Because from what I understand is you've, you've got actually uh, a demographically and socioeconomically quite a diverse student body. Right. My answer to that question is, first of all, um, understand that the most important question that we tackle here is the question about what Africa should look like yeah. now and in the future. What is the good society for us? Yeah. And that question or the answer or answers to that question uh, far more interesting if you have diversity of perspective and in tackling that question. Yeah. And so to us, it was very important to have uh, a campus where men and women are equally represented, where people of different socioeconomic status yeah. were represented, where people of different nationalities uh, represented. And so we, from the very beginning, uh, decided that we were going to have a diverse community here yeah. and we committed uh, financial resources to make sure that students who need financial support can get yeah. it in order to come here yeah well, how do you how do you tackle um, differences in in aptitude that that have to do with you know levels of preparation and opportunities Pre-college opportunities. That's right. Yeah. So the the there are certain characteristics that we really look for uh, for students who come here. Yeah. Um, we want to have students here who are um, internally motivated. We want to see students who have grit or demonstrated grit. Yeah. We. Uh, we want to see students who have made the most of the opportunities that they had. Yeah. So we're not so interested in have they had all the best opportunities. We're really interested in, given whatever opportunities they've had, yeah. did they make the best of it? Yeah. Nice. And that is actually uh, the most important aptitude that we look for. Now, there's some students who will come here with different uh, levels of attainment of sort of mastery of language, you know, English, which is what we, t we t teach in, or, you know, their background in mathematics might be different and, and so on. Um, that is not as important to us yeah. as long as they've met a certain bar, minimum bar there, yeah. that we, we get students in here, we give them the instruction that they need yeah. So that by their second year, students are mostly at the same level moving forward. Yeah. Now the 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 other thing that you do is you very much you know uh, walk the talk to a certain extent. I mean, you you say you know leadership is really uh, what this uh, university is about. It's about right. preparing the next generation of leaders for right. the continent. How how do you embed? leadership and in, in particular ethical leadership into into the curriculum so what we've done so embedding ethics into our into our institution has gone beyond the curriculum by yeah. the way so 
I would say that the first thing that we do is we model the behavior that we want to see from yeah. our students. So there's a certain transparency that my team and I have with students and parents and alumni. Uh, we've had a rock solid commitment to operate with zero corruption here. So we just yeah. don't pay bribes. We just, you know, we, we would rather take a long time to achieve something than try to take a shortcut. Yeah. Um, so that's really important. We have a set of a code of conduct that we enforce um, fairly, mm -hmm. and we have students participate in the judicial committee that makes decisions in adjudicating violations of that code. Yeah. So again, transparency with the student body on that. Um, and then the third thing is getting into the curriculum, right? So the the core curriculum, humanities, social sciences, and so on, certainly are. are big part of what we do yeah that core curriculum has uh courses in african studies that include african philosophy and so on yeah african philosophical thought it has a leadership seminar series that students take um where they're really sort of studying big ideas mm -hmm. around the good society around yeah. what constitutes great leadership what constitutes servant leadership what constitutes the economy that gives offers the most opportunities to the most people in yep. a just way. Um, and all of that is very important. Yeah. Uh, principally because the way we, we teach those courses is not didactic, right? So we have students part of a conversation. Yeah. They're reading, they're discussing, they're agreeing and disagreeing with each other. Um, and they're forming, they're coming to a hopefully joint understanding of ethics. Yeah. But but certainly everyone is coming up with an individual view of it. And then finally, we challenged our students to try and create an ethical society on their on our campus. Yeah. A high trust society here. Yeah. And it was their decision to make. So they actually voted it uh, an honor code into force. Yeah. And Every new class of student that enters here gets one year to debate whether they want to join the honor system or not. Yeah. So it is a proactive decision and a conscious decision mm. whether they want to be part yeah. of that social compact. Yeah. Do they do they get a chance to amend it or re recommend uh, they, adjustments? They they yeah. do, and um, they do it through sort of debates with the student government, yeah. right? So there's. Yeah. Currently, uh, a discussion, actually a conversation underway, interestingly. Yeah. Um, the honor system now is a honor system around exams. Yeah. And th there's this big conversation about why is it just about exams yeah. and academic sort of honesty? Yeah. Why can't it be about everything else? Yeah. And yeah. so they're having a conversation about how they get an honor system that is also a social honor system. Mm. And yeah. I'm very curious to see what they end up coming yeah. up with. Yeah. Now, th this is different from the charter, right? Right. So, so yeah. So, so the chart. So, so we have a code of conduct. The, yeah. the, the charter, the presidential charter that <coughs> we just got, yeah, was really um, an acknowledgement by the accreditation board and the government of Ghana. Yeah. That Ashesi University is not ready to be wholly independent and offer its own degrees okay. under its own name. Yeah. The last uh, 16 years, we've been offering degrees from the University of Cape Coast, which is a, a state see. institution yeah. that is 
sort of assigned to sort of mentor us yeah, and yeah. award their degrees yeah. to our students. Okay, I understand. Yes. Yeah. So the honor code is is the one that the students that's correct developed bottom up and, and yes uh, I think think yeah. of the honor code as um, if 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 I were to talk about a, an internal charter yeah. or a chassis yeah I would talk about our code of conduct yeah. our learning goals yeah and the honor code yeah and so the honor code is sort of a the third leg of our yeah. internal um, internal yeah. charter. Yeah. Oh, understood. Well, congratulations well, for thank you for both. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, I think w one of the interesting things about uh, Ashesi as well is that you do all this, right? The focus on leadership, the focus on uh, on ethics, but you also have a very high, I think, employability. Uh, That's uh, correct. Rate. Right. So, again, to you know, this, this uh, again stands in, in uh, contrary to the conceit that you know you can't achieve both a high level of of skills in an education and you know a high level of kind of conceptual thinking and right. and, and ethical. How do you how do you manage manage that? Well. The the way we think about it, um, and it's not just us. The, you know, when we were talking with, uh, you know, business leaders and so on here, that, you know, what they were saying to us was that they, and I'm I'm sort of paraphrasing and summarizing yeah. here, but they were looking for graduates out of universities that uh, that had, um, you know, a certain core set of knowledge in a field some field that they've studied yeah they're looking for skills soft skills around uh communication skills ability to work in teams and so on yeah um but they're also looking for character right yeah and the the kind of character they're looking for they're looking for people who are hard working people who are dedicated and conscientious people who are trustworthy yeah who are honest and so they were really looking for knowledge, skills, and character. Yeah. And the the task before us was how do we do all three? Yeah. Um, because when you when you get all three done, um, those people tend to be very highly sought after. Yeah. Um, whether they're going into a you know sort of a, a professional job or if they're trying to start a business, whether they'll get investors who are willing to put yeah. their money uh, behind their project. Yeah, yeah, and and you also have, I mean, you, you also brought something with you from your your days at, at Microsoft, which is you require, I believe, right, all students to do uh, coding. Is that? Yes, that's yeah? correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that that may strike some as as you know as as maybe too technical, but but what <laughs> what's the thinking behind that? Well, the thinking behind that w is that uh, you know first of all the world is changing very quickly. Yeah. And technology and high tech is becoming part of our everybody's everyday yeah. life. We're just sort of surrounded by it. Yeah. And we felt that it was useful and interesting for any student to have some glimmer into how these machines operate yeah. and how you instruct yeah. them to do yeah. work for you right yeah. 
sort of a, at a lower level than as the you know normal user interface. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is actually we found it to be or we thought it to be wholly consistent with the idea of of a liberal education, mm -hmm. which is really different perspectives, different uh, disciplinary uh, engagement. Yeah. Uh, and that learning to learning to code certainly it you know it's it's a way of sort of practicing a sort of a logical approach to problem yeah, solving yeah. um it is it is machine language yeah um it is uh for some projects teamwork mm -hmm. it is also struggling with something that most students coming out of high school have never encountered before yeah, yeah. it is an amazingly powerful way of exercising um you know a person's mm. brain yeah and having them try something they've never done before uh fail at some of it and be successful at some of it and yeah. build the confidence that comes from that yeah and it, and it can also be quite i mean it can also be quite creative yes i, I believe absolutely <laughs> yeah. yes yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 very 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 interesting um let's talk a little bit about how what are your thoughts in terms of i mean i know you're expanding the campus right um but how do you think about the scalability of 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 Ashesi? and is you know have you thought what you might do beyond this campus we have and you know we've we've talked quite a bit about scale and not just scale in terms of scaling our institution, but yeah. scaling our impact yeah. and and scaling a certain kind of education in Africa. Yeah. And th the conclusion we've come to is that um, we, we, I love this phrase that you've been using about, you know, challenging the different conceits about yeah. what's possible and what's not possible yeah. in Africa. Yeah. And I would say that one of the conceits um, that we have to confront is this idea that Africa cannot have a powerful network mm. of of great institutions of higher learning. Yeah, uh, we think that it can happen, mm -hmm. and no, not only can it happen, but it is yeah. necessary. Yeah. Right. So we think that scaling impact. Um, is going to be akin or the most powerful way to scale impact is if we could start a movement. Yeah. Right. So if we could trigger a movement so that governments and the market, and when I say the market, I'm talking about private universities for profit or, yeah. or not, not yeah. for profit and state institutions together. Yeah. Um, will meet the need uh, of, of all our citizens it's very difficult for any one institution to do. An institution might be able to, I don't know, yeah. scale up to what, 50,000 students, 100,000 yeah. students. Yeah. Well, we need millions of students yeah. educated a certain way. Yeah. And so the way we've thought about it is we need to trigger a movement. And um, I think that this is going to be our next big project, right? Yeah. So we've started to do a little pilot where we've invited other universities to a chassis to yeah. um, engage with us in conversations about curriculum and pedagogy and so on, uh, which is which is important. 
but it may involve other things. Um, how do we uh, get all universities motivated to be operating a certain way? Yeah, I think when something like you know uh, the Wise Prize um, is awarded to an institution like a chassis, yeah, it certainly raises the visibility of a certain kind of education. Yeah, right. If university rankings were doing that, even if you know you know measuring how good a university is and ethics and so on yeah. may, may be down to perception in indices. Yeah. The first university rankings in the US were based on perception indices of university yeah, leaders, right? Exactly. And it worked just yeah. it got the ball moving. Yeah. Um it might involve uh targeting very specific institutions across the continent. Yeah. And being in a very close working relationship with them. Yeah. On pedagogy and so on. Yeah. Um, uh, so, and it might Im involve other yeah. things yet to be determined, yeah. right? But, but there's certainly uh, a big and important project there. Yeah. Of how we start a movement. Yeah. And and we're going to be spending <coughs> quite a bit of time figuring out how to do that. And it, yeah. it it will also, I suspect, involve some work with the accreditation systems. Yeah. Um, on the continent, because when when an accreditation system yeah um, asks all universities to behave a certain way or to yeah. implement certain things in order to be accredited yeah it gets results yeah. right no that's I think that's that's an interesting way to look at you know right. look at the challenge and and uh, um, I mean we'll certainly be I think from from a wise point of view keen to see how how this this develops and how in fact you do right mobilize uh, a movement and to to a certain extent the the wise itself is a, is an effort to right. mobilize a movement around uh, quality education around quality education in its broadest possible right. uh, possible sense and and uh it's you know it's it's a big ask um and it's not always obvious whether you're succeeding or not um, other than obviously to, right. to see, you know, uh, to see just how many people are are engaged, right, uh, in this in this effort. So, I, I suspect you'll find quite a receptive audience. the 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 challenge that I always struggle with is how do we convert that into, you know, sort of sustainable action and and you know, how do you make sure that it, it spreads right beyond, right. you know, beyond the people who are already, in a sense, committed and, and, and doing good things? That's right. Um, yeah, I, I look, I, I think that, as I said, this is something we're going to engage. Um, and I'm listening to lots of different ideas. Yeah. I mean, there, as you might imagine, there are people who have come to us and said, you know, if, if you if you really want to um get scale even if you're you're starting a movement yeah you should start satellites of your campus elsewhere yeah and those will serve as beacons yeah in those yeah. in those areas yeah um there are people who have said um you know you've got to rally your alumni to help with yeah. sort of spreading this idea elsewhere and um 
and then there and then there are people who have said, look, you know, really just look at, you know, if if you think about liberal education in the United States today, and you know, Harvard was sort of a, a beacon. Yeah. Uh, of course, that was hundreds of years ago. Yeah. But, yeah. but what a powerful thing that so many institutions adopted that model of a liberal education yeah. because of what harvard achieved yeah and <clears throat> and and that is a model that has sort of um leveraged many different organizations energies and and resources yeah there are people who have said you've got to look at um how do you leverage technology yeah to accelerate the adoption and so we're going to be looking at all of this yeah. right yeah. And um, I was going to say it may not be one exactly. answer. It may be a portfolio. That's correct. Of, of different approaches. Yeah. That, that, that's correct. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll certainly be, you know, keep keeping an eye on uh, on on your journey, uh, a continuing journey, Patrick. I I want to end with um, with a question that I ask all uh, interviewees. Uh, I mean, we've talked at length about uh, I think you know, liberal arts education and the different different components. Um, if there's one piece of, of knowledge or one, you know, uh, uh, discipline or one skill that you would want all your students to, to master or indeed all uh, learners around the world to master, what would that one uh, area be? One skill? It could be a skill. It can be an area. It can be... A, a discipline um well i think that um the desire to continue learning yeah and the um, ability to continue learning is fundamental yeah right because the world is evolving so quickly um that people need to be evolving along with it yeah and um there will be all kinds of new knowledge that comes uh, along and uh, people have to be open to learning those. Um, even when we talk about ethics and philosophy, um, one has to be interested yeah. in challenging one's mind over a period of time, questioning their own assumptions, questioning their prior held beliefs, um, and deeply pondering these important questions yeah. about the good society. And so, yeah, I'll settle on the desire and the ability to keep learning. Yeah. Thank you, Patrick Ewa. Thank you for your wise words. Well, thank you. <laughs> if you're enjoying the Wise Words podcast and want to find out more about our guests and their work, as well as discover what else we do at Wise, you can visit us at www.wise-qatar.org backslash wise-words. And if you want to continue the discussion, compliment or critique us, you can find us on Twitter at wise underscore tweets or at wise underscore CEO, hashtag wise pod. We would also appreciate reviews on iTunes because it helps other people find us.